And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actionable website and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free guides, goodies, and much, much more every week so you can start your week off with a bang. You can give it a try over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Matt Rea. Matt is the VP of Revenue Operations over at Green Lancer. Matt, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, Sam. Good. How are you? All good here, man. So looking forward to, to a fresh topic today for the podcast. We're going to be talking all things revenue operations or RevOps for short. So let's not mess around, Matt. First and foremost, what the heck does revenue operations actually mean for anyone that's never heard of it before? Yeah, great question. Um, and first, I think probably highlight what revenue means, right? A lot of companies are exploring building out a revenue department, which sort of focuses on the entire life cycle of the customer from first marketing touchpoint through, you know, customer service touchpoints. Um, and really, how does the company generate revenue? So when you apply the operations piece to that, it's how do we actually scale all of that um, and make it, you know, high impact? Um, so we are eliminating barriers for our team, eliminating barriers for our customers and continuing to grow, grow business and grow revenue through that. Gotcha. Okay. So talking about eliminating barriers. So can you give us some examples of what that might consider from a business sense? Yeah, sure. So I think any business, um, you know, basically a good place to start would be doing an audit of what your customer's journey is, you know, basically from the first time that they are um, interacting with your brand, whether it's through social media or some sort of paid channel, um, and then what that funnel or what that journey looks like um, to get them into becoming a prospect uh, and then becoming a customer. And then once they are a customer, it doesn't end there, right? It's how do we get them to repeat purchase? Most marketers understand that uh, it costs a lot more to acquire new customers than it does to retain existing. Um, so understanding that entire journey is sort of the first piece. And then looking at it from the customer's journey or customer standpoint of like, how do we actually improve this process, eliminate, eliminate friction in certain areas, um, that could be as simple as making it an easier way to get in contact with you or um, auditing the follow-up process once someone fills out a form on your website. Um, and then it's simple things like implementing emails after they check out for the first time or purchase your product um, to continue to get them um, sort of engaged with your brand um, and more likely to purchase um, as time goes on. Got it. It sounds quite detailed, Matt, from what you shared there in terms of kind of initial touch points right through to follow-ups in terms of upselling customers, working with existing customers, right from that initial starting point, the first contact with that prospect, right through to kind of nurturing existing relationships. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Got it. So with that said, is revenue operations not just a fancy word for marketing and sales? It depends on who you ask. Um, <laughs> I think it's sort of a way to uh, combine the two efforts. Oftentimes in in companies, especially as they grow, marketing and sales become siloed, right? Um, right. You've got sales who are focused on 
the ge- the revenue generating activities right now. And then mm. marketing is sort of a longer term. Um, they want to build brand equity. They want to build those long term touch points. Um, so the leads that come to the sales team don't end up drying up. Um, so revenue is sort of a way to uh, help unite those two um, and understand that the co- marketing and sales need to really work in concert with each other. Um, and that even means interacting with each other on a daily basis, um, getting feedback from each other. Uh, if sales is getting leads that aren't qualified or aren't converting, um, that's good feedback for the marketing team. And a proper marketing team will take that feedback and yep. you know do sort of an audit of where they're generating leads from, et cetera. So marketing or sorry, revenue operations can help kind of um, help that scale that process along. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's interesting. So it'd be good to do a, a step-by-step perhaps of some of the key points that we should consider if you're doing a, um, a revenue operations audit um, and that side of things. But before we jump into that and provide some actionables, what kind of businesses should consider having a RevOps specialist or team? Because whenever I've dealt with companies, it only seems to be the larger scale organizations that seem to have that dedicated in the job title anyway, or is it yeah. something that applies to all sizes of businesses, be it startup right through to kind of larger scale orgs? I think it can vary. Um, you know, obviously I work at a 20 person startup. So um, our revenue operations is probably a little bit bigger as far as uh, the responsibilities. Um, at some of the larger organizations, they're going to be more hyper-focused on using data to uh, basically make decisions um, and and sort of p- apply scale to their revenue uh, revenue department. Um, but so for, for a startup, it's really more so um, you know looking at uh, at at there's going to be an inflection point right for any startup where they're going to want to start to scale. Um, and I think that's the point when you you want to start looking into um, having a dedicated person thinking about those revenue operations. Um, because you know it's going to help basically uh, eliminate roadblocks not only for uh, customers like I, I mentioned, but also internal team members. We want to yep. make sure that the sales and marketing teams aren't uh, spinning gears on things that they don't need to, and revenue operations can help help do that. Nice, and that makes sense, right? So, yeah, this let's let's put something to play. Let's try and give the audience something tangible. So, in terms of if uh, a business said, "Look, we want to start taking revenue operations seriously." Um, we want to look at an audit. What are some of the first things that a company can look at from a RevOps point of view, from your experience, Matt, some of the first things you need to consider? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, first, I think the key to everything here is sort of understanding understanding data is, I guess, at the root of um, what's going to help drive these these conversations. So um, where where are you getting the majority of your qualified leads? Um, is the first question you want to ask, and you're asking that to marketing, right? Um, okay. So as as leads come in, um, you know what are the ones that are converting at the highest rate? Because um, those are going to be your your outperforming channels. Um, what are some channels that may be driving a large volume of leads um, that aren't converting as high? Um, so it's sort of doing an audit of your your marketing, right? Um, can we be spending time in different areas or revenue or sorry? Um, budget in different areas to better bring in qualified leads. Um, And then that next step obviously becomes sales, right? That first touch point with sales, uh, once they're trying to get someone converted through the door, 
what do those touch points look like? How much of that is actually automated versus um, a rep reaching out? Um, okay. Are there more processes that you can automate? Are there things that are automated that shouldn't be? Um, okay. Sometimes calling someone on the phone uh, is, you know, quick, as soon as you can after um, after a lead form is filled out uh, is the best way to get them to convert quickly. Um, and so it's really, really understanding, you know, usually within a sales organization, um, you've got physical reps who are able to make those calls. So it's, um, it's finding the right mix for your company of how much of the email is automated, um, how much of the email is personalized from, from the actual rep, et cetera. Um, and then once they do convert, and this is oftentimes the biggest piece that people miss is what does the follow-up look like after conversion? Um, and how okay. do we actually get them to adopt the platform, whether it's a SaaS uh, technology or um, some sort of uh, you know physical product? How do we get them yep. to adopt it um, and and really get comfortable with it as soon as possible? So that's where customer success comes in, right? Okay. Um, and understanding again, what do we automate there? Um, do you have a dedicated customer success person for these customers that come in um, outside of your sales rep, right? Because you want sales to be focused on sales. And then customer success needs to be focused on um, getting them to that next purchase um, and actually having um, having a conversation with them or building guides and things like that to get them um, as comfortable as possible with with whatever your technology or whatever your offering is. Awesome. Okay, so we've got three points there. Where are you actually getting the leads that are converting? What's not converting well? What needs optimizing? What needs cutting out? Secondly, what's the process of those sales leads actually going through to the sales team and how's that working? And then the, the follow-up after the, the deals over the line to working with customer success. What needs to be automated? How can we work with existing customers, make sure they're happy and upsell where relevant? So let's dive a bit deeper into each one. So in terms of analyzing the data on what leads are working, what channels are working. Is that a case of Matt just dipping into the CRM and seeing kind of what lead sources are, are coming in, what's going out as closed one, what's perhaps not not converting at all, and then getting rid of the, the channels that just, just aren't driving inbound? Is there any kind of tips and insights you can share around that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously the first thing is understanding what's converting. Um, but you do also want to keep in mind some of your channels are going to be more brand awareness, right? So um, yep. even if um, you're you're still keeping some things on, but just real reallocating spend to some of those higher performing channels, um, that's one thing that you'll you'll hopefully be able to um, keep keep a close eye on. Um, and and I think even before that is understanding um the proper lead attribution model right sometimes your crm or your automation platform can um, misattribute leads so um you know whether it's asking them outright on the form or asking them on an onboarding call where they actually heard about your company in the first place uh, can help you get a really good idea of uh where your your lead is leads are coming from um and then obviously looking at um from those leads who closed uh, who didn't close and why um, and I think, you know, there's a whole other follow-up process if you have the bandwidth to, um, to understand why they ended up going with someone else or not taking action. Um, because those insights can actually help, obviously, as you market and as you onboard more customers. Sure. Matt, from your experience, what is a fair timeline to test a new marketing channel? And I appreciate that some 
might take longer than others, i.e. if you're doing organic search, if you're doing SEO, depending on how competitive the search terms you're going after, that might be six to 12 months or so. Whereas if you're testing a paid channel, be it Google ads, LinkedIn ads, maybe it's a sponsorship review site like G2 or Capterra, um, might be a bit quicker route to market. Um, from your experience, what tends to be a fair amount of time to give certain channels before you say, look, this isn't working, let's cut it and try something else? Yeah, you know, obviously the pay channels um, are hopefully going to drive results a little bit quicker. Um, organic is always the piece that takes takes the longest. So uh, definitely agreed six to 12 months. Um, we've actually uh, seen some great success over the last year with our organic blogging efforts and, and driving traffic organically. Um, but it took it took at least six months to get there. But we we put our heads down and, and kind of kept chugging. Um, as it pertains to paid channels, say paid LinkedIn or paid uh, Facebook or, or Instagram, um, and then even any sort of the paid Google channels, um, you know, I would say three to six months, a little bit shorter. Um, you know, obviously three being the least because you want to give the algorithm and the audiences a little bit time of time to um, sort of optimize uh, on its own. Um, and oftentimes when we start a new campaign, we'll start with a smaller amount of spend in that yep. first month or two, um, just to really start to get a feel for, are we even driving any sort of traffic or any sort of leads from this before we scale things up? And that is the beauty of, of digital marketing platform forms like that is you can, you can apply spend very tactically and intentionally. Mm. Yeah. And that's when the tough thing about come when the tough thing, especially with spending cash, depending on where your business is at, of whether it's a, a brand building demand generation play or whether you want to go direct yeah. for lead gen. Um, do you have any advice on if you should kind of split a budget between between these sections? And for anyone that's perhaps not aware, what I'm saying to this is rather than kind of if you've got a b2b website direct calls in direct call-ins or demo request or form fills those are typically kind of end sales qualified leads um whereas a demand gen play might be you're just looking to educate your audience maybe with videos or articles or information in the social feed about kind of how you help or giving them new insights new ideas new stats and then hoping that long term they're going to see your company as the the leader in your field so when they do need your help, rather than comparing two or three vendors, they go straight to you because you've educated them so much. What are your thoughts there, Matt? Yeah, I think obviously demand generation is a super hot topic lately, um, especially for, for brands trying to grow in the long run. Um, I don't think that every company should be allocating all of their resources towards demand generation at once. Um, I understand sort of the sense of urgency to um, to get business now, but I don't think that you cannot, uh, you can execute both at the same time, basically. Um, yep. And even if that means uh, scaling higher with your paid spend at first, uh, because you need to drive leads, you need to drive awareness for your brand, especially if you've not done marketing in the first place. Um, and while that happens, you need to be shipping stuff daily for the demand gen that piece, basically, right? You need to be posting blogs, you need to be posting content on LinkedIn or whatever other social channels um, and engaging where the customer is for you, uh, because that's a slow, steady drumbeat. Uh, but it's sort of that snowball effect um, that starts to take action. And at the same time, you can sort of apply, as you're building that content, uh, you can apply your paid spend to that content, right, to reach a larger audience. So it sort of accelerates the, de the um, demand generation piece. 
um, if you're smart about your spend. So it doesn't all have to be, you know, fill out a form type thing. It can just be trying to get a larger audience to read, read your blog. Um, and sometimes using paid efforts to amplify that uh, is a, a strategy you can take on. Gotcha. Fair enough. Chili Piper's form concierge was built specifically for marketers. Double inbound conversions and qualified meetings. Keep your best prospects red hot by eliminating the waiting period after they raise their hand for a demo. Let website visitors self-qualify and book a meeting with the right rep instantly. Never let another inbound lead fall through the cracks. Stop chasing inbound leads. Start booking meetings. Book your free personalized demo today at chilipiper.com. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com. Charles runs a software company. He gets a decent amount of leads through his website, through paid ads, but when it comes to the organic, non-paid listings on Google, his competitors are stealing his visibility, traffic, and customers, all because they rank higher than him on organic search with SEO, search engine optimization. He set up a call with WebChoice. They took the time to understand his business, goals, and plans, and crafted a long-term strategy to rank higher on Google. After a few months of working with WebChoice, Charles was above the competition and enjoying more organic leads than ever and was even able to reduce his ad spend from the uptick in organic inbound leads. Want to enjoy more inbound sales leads with SEO? Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. So let's go to step two. We've driven some leads. Now we're, we're sending them to our sales team in the hope that they can close something and get our company some revenue. What are some good ways to analyze the process and make sure our sales reps aren't sitting on leads for days on end? Yeah, um, I, think, I think the first thing is, is talking to your sales team and understanding you know, how often are they following up? Uh, do you have a process in place where they're actually working with whatever automated uh, messages you have going on. Because oftentimes with sort of, you know, the siloed marketing and sales team, the marketing team wants to create, you know, an awesome drip campaign or nurture campaign. And the sales team doesn't even understand that this is going on. So it can sort of conflict with uh, the outreach that they're making to their customers. So first of all, uniting the two um, and improving that communication. So those can work uh, together. Um, and then it's, it's understanding, um, you know, how they're actually interacting with the customer. What does that conversation look like? Um, and these are, I mean, again, these are getting into more of the tactical, um, sales conversations of, um, what does that nurture look like? Um, you know, obviously there's going to be an aspect of, of hard selling and trying to get them in the door, but also, um, as your marketing creates content, um, allowing your sales team to share it with with some of these prospects is a super huge, important piece. Um, and so, you know, how are you feeding that content to your sales team under, and, and making them understand that it's available for them and to try and use it as, as a sort of tool in their sales toolkit. Um, and, and so I think that's probably a good place to start um, is, is making sure as the pass off happens, that marketing is still available 
Um, and so how are they available to help the sales team grow basically as, as they continue to nurture that lead into a conversion? Cool. Two quick ones, Matt. Should um, marketing qualified leads, MQLs, aka ebook downloads, webinar signups, newsletter signups, etc., go straight to the sales team? Oh man, um, <laughs> I think it, de- it depends on. It's going to vary um, per company. I think obviously there's this there's this idea out there that um, you know if someone is downloading an ebook, they're not ready to talk to sales yet. But it probably depends on the company. So um, I'd say talk to your sales team. Um, and if you're a marketer, maybe make some of those cold calls or, or, or cold outreach and, and get an understanding if, if those leads actually seem ready to, to talk to sales yet. And if not, consider putting in a drip campaign, something that sort of continues those touch points over a two to three month period, but doesn't immediately you know reach out and sort of uh, come across, come off as cross because I think we've all been there where we just want to read an ebook and we don't want to <laughs> deal with someone's call right away. So it's considering that and and considering where where that prospect is. Well, you mean marketing will actually pick up a phone and talk to a customer? Yeah, the ones that have empathy will. <laughs> I'm yet to meet many of those. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cool, man. And on the other side of the, I, I like that idea, by the way, I like actually getting marketing in at the deep end and saying, look, this is what you're sending the sales team. Now right. go and phone one of these prospects and see how the response goes down. Then you'll realize the quality of these so-called leads and uh, you can maybe kind of work together to make something better. So that's a a nice approach. So on the other end of the spectrum, so sales qualified leads, so someone that's actually raised their hand, perhaps gone to your site, gone to your demo request form or requested to speak to sales, booked a call, whatever that kind of high intent way is that you actually want to have a conversation. What are some best practices you've seen, Matt, in terms of kind of sales getting onto those in terms of speed, in terms of tactics to follow up and yep. that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, so at least at Green Lancer, we found that speed is the ante to play. So um, as as soon as we can follow up, usually the faster we are to get them on the phone um, and and get them a demo or get them, you know, basically their account activated on our platform, uh, the faster they will convert um, and faster they will onboard. So it really is about as soon as that lead comes through, we really try and you know communicate with them as soon as possible. Um, oftentimes if there is no time for them to do a demo, we'll make sure that we have, you know, obviously we'll send them videos and stuff, how to's FAQ, stuff like that. Um, so they can sort of engage on their own time, but it really is as soon as you can contact them, contact them, but also have other options. If, if they're not ready, um, if they, they want to, you know, whatever they're busy, maybe they can't get on a call, um, give them the resources to, to get acquainted with your, your service or product. Um, on their own time. And then obviously continue to schedule that follow-up um, so you can talk to them, but also uh, make sure that, you know, you're not turning them off. And, and that's understanding sort of, that's um, gonna be, you know, obviously very per business, but um, you know, what are they comfortable with or do they feel like you're coming on strong, that type of thing. Sure, sure thing. And there's plenty of stats out there that prove that speed to lead the, the response time, if someone is a high intent prospect and they've said, look, I want to support, speak to sales, I want a demo, I want a discovery call, whatever it might be. Yeah. But if you are the first vendor to get in touch, then you've, you've got a 
very good percentage of chance of winning that business as long as you do it in a professional manner. Now, you mentioned earlier, Matt, removing friction. And I think you mentioned kind of the, the process on your website that you should kind of make it nice and user-friendly and easy to actually allow prospects to take the desired next step. But can you give us some examples? Feel free to use your own company or examples of that you've seen or online or wherever it might be of some good ideas on how you can actually remove the friction and make it nice and easy for our buyers to actually speak to sales and take that next step. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think that, you know, obviously this again starts with, with data and understanding um, where is your website traffic coming from, what channels. Uh, and I think that can help you understand sort of what is the, the mindset of the customer um, and you know, first off, I think like a super easy thing to do is just having a, a, you know, contact information form on your homepage. So don't actually make them click to a contact page uh, to fill out a form. Make sure it's right there um, at the bottom of your page or wherever you want it to be after they've read a little bit about your company. Um, make it as easy as possible for them to reach out. Um, and even if they just want to call, right, have your phone number top right. These are super tactical things. but um, the more sort of easy you can make it to contact your team and get in touch with someone right away, um, the easier it will be to to actually, you know, talk to that lead and, and just come to them with sort of a problem solving mindset, which always is sort of the goal. Yeah, completely agree. I, I ramble on about it all the time, but I, I do believe your website is your best sales rep when you do yeah, it right. Absolutely. Because ultimately it's live 24 seven and on the basis that you actually market it on channels that your ideal customers are hanging out on, be that Google, be that social sites, be that review sites, articles, podcasts, webinars, whatever it may yeah. be, then it's going to be better than any sales rep. Ultimately, a, a, a rep can only work nine to five, Monday to Friday. Right. So your, your site can generate a heck of a lot more opportunities if you invest in that marketing advertising, like you say, clearly show kind of what you do, how you help. <laughs> back up your claims with social proof reviews testimonials and then make it super easy for people to speak to sales and like you say on their their channel of choice if that's phoning you or filling out a form or booking on the calendar allowing them to actually choose the the option they want to get in touch with rather than forcing them down a, a specific funnel is always a, mm -hmm. a nice idea to test what works okay good stuff so we've talked about kind of analyzing the the leads that are coming in we've talked about then passing those off to sales. And then lastly, once we've got those deals on the line, sending them through to our customer success or our account management team, depending on the, the size of our org, perhaps the sales reps full cycle, and perhaps they manage that if you're a smaller business as well. Yep. Um, so what are some good plays when it comes to customer success, Matt, in terms of kind of what you've seen, what to avoid or what to do well when it comes to kind of looking after customers and suggesting upsells and things to consider perhaps on the automation front as well that we can dive into a bit in a bit. Yeah. So I think I actually want to start with what to avoid because I think it's often overlooked. It's like, you know, you've got the deal um, booked, you've got the contract signed uh, and you automatically assume that that's booked revenue. Um, and if you're not viewing it from, we need to expand on this revenue that we've just created, you are going to, you know, you're going to eventually going to have customers who leave. And obviously that's something that you, can't avoid, but you can help mitigate. And using customer success, which is, you know, obviously uh, could be your account management, could be your sales rep, right? Um, but making sure that there is sort of that 
that sense of same sense of urgency applied to um, getting the prospect to convert, but also getting them onboarded because it's just as important for them to have a good experience the whole way through, right? So that's including those onboarding guides, FAQs, all that type of stuff that um, helps them get comfortable with with your your service or platform, um, and then also having that dedicated rep who is there to answer questions. And I think um, especially with with like SaaS technology or any sort of software as a service, um, having someone that they can call or just email is super, super helpful. Obviously, I think at a lot of the larger companies that got, you know, your chat bot and all that stuff, but um, being able to call someone is, is, you know, obviously a huge competitive advantage to just get someone on the phone, help them solve their issues super fast. Um, and then that becomes its own form of marketing because then you've got, uh, you've got them talking to their peers about, um, you know, I had this conversation with Green Lancer. Um, I signed up, you know, they helped me with all of my issues right away, all that type of stuff. Um, and again, that peer to peer marketing, everyone knows the impact of that. So um, just sort of viewing it as an extension of your marketing, I think helps to, and of course I have a marketing background, so I'm, I'm biased, but um, <laughs> it helps you, you know, continue to, to generate revenue there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So making sure that initial onboarding is, is nice and smooth. And it's not a case of sales just chucking you to the to the next yep. person, thinking yep. that they're done with you now because they've got their commission check, and actually making sure that that experience is a wholesome one, and they're getting all the info that they need to, I guess, get geared up with your product or your service, and make sure the next step is a is a good one. Um, what about in terms of things like actually raising kind of upsells? Um, implementing cross sales and those kind of things. Any any best practices you've seen on that front, Matt? Yeah, I think it's you know obviously as the sales passes off the customer to customer success, um, it's really understanding what the customer's specific needs are. Um, so that's asking the right questions of you know how do you want to grow your business with our platform or what are the main pain points that they have specifically. Uh, and I'm not talking about like putting together an ICP. I'm talking about actually having conversations with the customer. And then obviously, you know, you expect your customer success rep or team to have a strong understanding of whatever it is that your product solves for, and then being able to apply that. So if there's different, um, different products within your ecosystem that you can apply to each of those specific customers, uh, I think then that's, you know, it's an easy conversation for an upsell, uh, a cross sell or different things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And making sure your customer success team are actually kind of fully clued up with the sales process in terms of typical problems that prospects come to you with, how you overcome them, what other recommended products or services are, are going to be that similar clients have gone for, and then having those conversations to see what makes sense for, for prospects as and when they're ready, I guess. Um, in terms of automations, and I appreciate this is going to vary a lot depending on whether you're a SaaS business that's quite a straightforward product, or maybe you've got some, you're selling something that's a lot more comprehensive and then maybe you need several days onboarding and walk through with reps because it's a lot more detailed. But are there any kind of big yeses that you've seen when it comes to automating the onboarding process and any kind of big mistakes that you should try and avoid? Avoid? Yeah, uh, well, so we obviously, you know, instant email follow-up um, right away, which basically says, you know, thanks for signing up, all that stuff. Um, a rep will reach out as soon as possible to help activate your account once onboarded. Um, but also we leave options for them to book time with us. Um, and obviously, you know, that's 
pretty standard functionality with any sort of CRM or automation platform. Um, and then obviously, you know, making sure your sales team is on top of it, right? So uh, even automating all of those those sales tasks, and I know it seems super simple, but um, it just keeps them on top of things in a, an ever in you know increasing busy day or busy week. Um, so so really starting there um, and and understanding what's what what are the best things to automate, what are the best things to you know keep in sort of that that actual sales physical follow up. Gotcha, and. So we've covered the key points. We've covered kind of assessing leads. We've covered leads going to sales. We've covered follow up with customer success. Are there any other points, Matt, that are important that we need to consider before we start reviewing and auditing our, our RevOps team and processes? Um, so I think one thing that, and this is sort of more on the revenue side of the revenue operations, is keeping your ears sort of to the ground as far as what new revenue opportunities exist that you can explore. Um, yep. And I know this is much less operations, but, um, you know, if you have a really deep understanding of the customer, which as revenue operations, you should, um, then you could sort of identify new ways to to create revenue for the company, whether it's introducing a new product or service um, or even just, you know, monetizing things that um, haven't been monetized yet. Mm. Do you think there is... I think one question or one point that's tough for businesses is to know when to ramp up ad spend, marketing spend, you name it. Because let's be honest, most companies are scared to to ramp up marketing spend, especially when the early stage. Um, you talk about kind of spending thousands of dollars on an ad channel or marketing channel, organic SEO, what it might be, and most most company owners fall off their chair. How do you justify from your experience, or how do you kind of get buy in? from the C-suite to say, look, yeah, we've gotten this far. We need to now experiment with some new channels if we want to grow revenue. Any any best practices there? Yeah, and obviously, you know, I've, I'm always a sort of test before you launch type person uh, when it comes to marketing because I've always worked in startups. So budgets are always um, hard to come by and always yep. need to be fought for. So um, I think first of all is understanding, you know, if you do have any sort of marketing spend going on right now, um, that should still be the majority of your marketing spend as long as it's successful, but consider taking 20 or 30% of that and allocating it to a new channel for a testing period, whether you want that to be that three month or six month period. Um, sure. And then as you test it, first of all, you're going to start to understand things about your customer. You're going to start to understand things about how they interact with your, your website, your product, et cetera. Um, and then you can sort of scale from there. So you can have that test case. You can bring it to the C-suite and say, we tested paid LinkedIn or we tested some light uh, organic blogging, et cetera, for, for these months. And we saw these sort of results. Um, and so I think that we should reallocate spend or I want to ask for whatever, five grand a month to spend on this. Um, and then it should be a lot easier because if you're talking to a CEO, um, they understand money, right? They understand making revenue and ROI. So you got to talk in those terms uh, to get to get buy-in from them nice one and it makes sense yeah cash cash certainly talks when it comes to yeah. investing in new channels so get down to basics nice one matt well yeah really appreciate you coming on thanks yeah. for sharing your insights on all things RevOps. it's been a pleasure so with that said please do tell us more everyone tuning in on how they can learn more about yourself connect with you get in touch go ahead mate yeah absolutely um so i'm sort of again revenue operations at a company called green lancer 
we basically are a solar design and engineering marketplace for solar installers. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously focused on revenue generation in that, in that space. Um, and, and, you know, how do we apply scale to sort of our efforts there? Uh, but I've been in marketing for, you know, 10, 10, over 10 years at this point. So um, I also will do freelance brand and marketing strategy on the side. Um, I think everyone's got a side hustle at this point. So um, I've got a website, just MatthewRaya.me. Um, you can check out some of my prior work. Um, I'm obviously on LinkedIn as well um, and, and getting more active there. Uh, I think a lot of people understand the, the power of organic LinkedIn at this point. So um, that's where I am. That's where I play. Um, and I uh, appreciate you having me on the call today. No worries at all, dude. And we'll put all of those links over on the episode show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, I want to thank you once again for coming on, Matt. Great. Thank you. No worries, man. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, why not subscribe or leave us a quick rating on your podcast channel of choice? And with that said, we should catch you on the next one for more No BS, actionable web and marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. Cheers for tuning in.